0: This morning's scripture reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfailing, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor, When Jesus Christ is revealed, although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. The word of God for the people of God.
1: What is happiness, anyway? It's kind of hard to describe. (laughs) Listening to a baby laugh, watching a beautiful sunset, hearing ocean waves crash along a shore, getting a new boat. You know that one, don't you? The two happiest days for a boat owner, the day you get the boat and the day you sell the boat. (laughs) Maybe it's getting through a whole football game without any calls from work or having your team win the championship. Happiness could be defined as living in freedom or living in a just society where everyone gets a fair shake. I can imagine one person in my life saying that happiness is when you are in a place of peace where you don't have to be afraid. Happiness can be also be described by being able to love and being loved. It's easier to say what makes us happy but Happiness is a feeling, so what does it feel like? Have you ever tried to answer that question? Maybe it's a lightness as opposed to a heaviness in your spirit. Maybe it's a spontaneous smile that you can't seem to wipe off your face. It could be an effervescence that bubbles up inside of you. Pharrell Williams, in his song Happy, that we just listened to, says, A room without a roof, like a positive feeling that just can't be contained. It's so big. Many say that happiness is the end goal of all human life in all nations and all cultures. But not everyone would agree. It sounds too, I don't know, frivolous (laughs) somehow. Um, Some higher, um, more goal should be the goal, like the common good, but wouldn't the common good be happy people? Here in the United States, we think the pursuit of happiness is so important, we put it in our Declaration of Independence. You know that, right? The pursuit of happiness, along with life and liberty, is considered a right of all people that can't be challenged by anyone. I think that some people have the impression that Christians aren't happy, that all we do is follow rules and have sour looks on our faces and judge people, right? That's not what my book says. Did you hear what our scripture said this morning? You rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a whole lot of happiness to me. A pastor in Ohio, the Reverend Kara Stoltz-Costello, says that she intentionally replaces the word happiness with joy, that happiness is simply an evidence of joy for her. When we see happiness as the end result, she says, we have stopped too soon. Joy is the fullness of God's intention for us. So I guess I agree with that. Happiness can be seen as a fleeting emotion, right, that comes and goes. But joy is a pervasive contentment that can be the foundation of our whole lives. So whether you prefer um, to use the word happiness or the word joy, it could be said to be defined by the word salvation. And what does salvation mean? That we are being saved from sin and death and given the gift of eternal life, yes, yes, but it also means being in right relationship with God and other people. It is knowing who we are and whose we are. We are the children of God. God claims us. Salvation also means that God has a purpose for each of us, and that even though there may be suffering involved, God will never leave us or forsake us, and will continue to give strength and mercy and grace to us all of our lives. And then we get to go to heaven, where it is so wonderful, we can't even imagine it. Love, relationship, forgiveness, grace, mercy, purpose, a future. Sounds worthy of joy, doesn't it? Even Pharrell Williams says that in his song, can't nothing bring me down because love is too happy. So the question is, why aren't we there? If we should be rejoicing with an indescribable and glorious joy, why aren't we? Maybe some of us are, but across our society, even considering Christians, we as Americans are more depressed than we used to be. Author Tony Armstrong, a college professor in Delaware, who teaches a course on happiness, interesting, says that there are assumptions we have made in the United States that are not helping us. One of them is that life circumstances control your happiness. He says that that's not true. Hmm. That's a big idea to get our heads around, because that assumption is pretty pervasive. If bad things happen during the day, we're in a bad mood, right? And if good things happen during the day, we're in a good mood. So what controls our happiness? According to Armstrong, we have more control than we realize. (laughs) I want to give a little disclaimer here and say, um, there are a lot of bad things in our world. And sometimes bad things happen to us. And um, I acknowledge that, yes, that does affect our happiness. But I think the author... um, is trying to get the point across that there can be this grounding of joy in our lives that doesn't get touched no matter what happens. So another assumption he addresses is this. The more money and stuff you have, the happier you are. Or scientifically put, we have assumed as a society that increasing economic output would lead straightforwardly to increases in the standard of living and thereby human happiness. While there is certainly something to be said for making sure that people have basic needs met, right? Shelter, food, clothing, etc. Continuing to raise the standard of living does not necessarily guarantee happiness. This goes completely against the extremely materialistic culture we live in. Right? Okay, stick with me for one more. A third assumption that Armstrong says is not helping us is the belief that feelings are, for the most part, beyond our conscious control. Okay, That our feelings are automatic responses to external um, judgments. I'm sorry. Um, that our feelings are automatic responses to external circumstances and events. Instead, he says that emotions are responsible to our judgments, whether conscious or unconscious. Very simply put, the point is that instead of feeling first and then thinking, that our thinking comes first and then our feelings. It's, of course, a little more complicated than that. But may I tell you that this felt like brand new information to me. Apparently Sigmund Freud uh, said it one way, but now modern psychology is reversing it. So it's no wonder we're confused. I remember when I was about 12, someone told me that I could just be happy if I wanted to be happy. I was pretty furious at the time because I was not happy (laughs) and I didn't understand how that could change without my circumstances changing. So it's not a matter of Willing yourself to feel differently, I think, like I was told. But rather the idea that changing what you think can affect how you feel. I want to tell you a story. Christian Geraldo is a man who had lost all hope of ever being happy. He did three tours in the Middle East as a hospital corpsman. We can only imagine what he saw and experienced as he tried to save other people. He was injured and received a medical discharge in 2010. Diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, he was overwhelmed by the guilt and shame he felt over the people that he couldn't save. He sank into depression, alcoholism, and abuse of prescription drugs, and then he attempted suicide. I didn't think I was salvageable, he said about himself. I thought I was a horrible person. Putting his life back together was excruciatingly difficult. Despite doctors, therapists, and support groups, Geraldo said the only treatment that has really helped him is the semester he spent studying happiness at the United Methodist-related Wesley College, where Armstrong teaches. He's currently a nursing student there. So his judgment about himself was that he was a bad person and that nothing could change that. He felt depressed, and terrible. Although the article I found this story in doesn't spell out what happened, I believe that he learned that God loves him just the way he is, that God forgives any shortcoming or bad decision he made in the past, and that because God can love him and forgive him, Geraldo learned to love and forgive himself. The article did say that he had a spiritual awakening, Found happiness, and is looking forward now to giving back, especially to other military vets who are suffering. Now, I'm not saying that there's a a trick to this or some pop psychology that will work better than anything else, because I believe that God is the one who heals. But Armstrong, this author, says that pursuing happiness requires training. So I offer you some steps that he suggests that are ways to help. Step number one is to develop mindfulness, or an awareness of what you are feeling. That's why we talked about in the beginning, what does happiness feel like? Because if we don't know how we want to feel, how can we get there, right? This is way harder than it sounds, to be in touch with our feelings. I think most of us have been trained to discount or just be oblivious to how we really feel, out of a need for survival, because we are putting others' needs first, or worse, because we have been told that our feelings aren't important. We each matter to God, so our feelings matter too. I had an experience recently that brought this home for me. I had some tasks before me on a day off, and I had a headache the whole day. As soon as the tasks were done, My headache disappeared, and I mean like that. I sat down in the seat of my van to leave, and boom, it was just gone. I realized that the tasks um, had put more stress on me than I originally realized. Often our physical state reveals what our mental state is, even though we're trying to ignore it. (laughs) So there are ways to develop this awareness with deep breathing and the like. You can look it up if you want. Uh, But the bottom line is to pay more attention to what you are feeling. You can't change it if you don't understand where you are now. Step two is reframing. The goal of this step is to reach for perspective and get a more objective view than our own negative thoughts. This is why it can be helpful to consult a therapist or a trusted friend, a friendly clergy person, um, when we are feeling overwhelmed. Or in the case of Christian Geraldo, when we are feeling terrible about ourselves. Instead of asking what would Jesus do, maybe we could ask what would Jesus say to us if Jesus were sitting in the room? Are our judgments about ourselves or our situations skewed because of our vantage point? Does that make sense? Step three is gratitude. This is probably the easiest Simplest thing we can do to increase happiness in our lives. Make a list in your head of all the things you're thankful for at night before you go to sleep. Write things down in a journal. Some people number these and put them on Facebook. It's really a method of reframing because it helps us realize that things aren't as bad as they initially appeared. Last spring, I made a visit to one of the older women in the church where I was serving She had moved from a lovely, beautiful apartment in a retirement complex to a nursing home because she needed more assistance. She was in a wheelchair because she could no longer walk, and her memory was starting to fail her. I walked in her room and asked how she was doing that day. Do you know what she said to me? I have so many things to be grateful for, I don't even know where to start. She's the kind of person who loves God with her whole heart and lives in complete trust. It made me cry. I thought, if I had 10% of the gratitude that she has, I would live a completely different life. I've made an effort since then, I want you to know. And it's paid off. (coughs) Excuse me. Step four is forgiveness. Armstrong says it is a powerful means to alleviate anger, bitterness, and the victim mentality that plagues so many of us. It does wonders for relationships and the ability to appreciate others. If we were to pick one word to sum up the entire gospel of Jesus Christ, it'd be love, right? But if we pick two words to sum up the entire gospel of Jesus Christ, it'd be love And forgiveness. (laughs) Not only has God promised to forgive each of us, but God asks us to forgive other people. I know it isn't easy. It can take decades, and you may need to ask God to do it for you because it is beyond your capability, but it's worth it in the end. The gift is really to ourselves because we are the ones who will be at peace, and it may even make room for this happiness we're talking about. The last step is love. I could write a whole sermon just on this, but I didn't want to leave it out because it's so significant. Armstrong defines emotion as a feeling that moves us um, to seek and do, to change what is. Okay, Emotion, it's got motion in it. it. It moves us. Love, he says, may be thought of as a state of being or a state of mind rather than an emotion because in its purest form, it entails a self-sufficient appreciation of what is, including what we currently feel. It does not move us to seek a change. Armstrong equates love with happiness when it is pure and explains that the experience of love lies in the love we give rather than what is usually meant by the love we receive, which cannot be directly experienced short of sharing the mind of another person. Okay? So this means that the love we give is its own reward. The more we love, the more joy and peace we experience. And since we are the source of this love, we do not, and by the nature of the experience, cannot depend on circumstance or the presence and behavior of others to experience its blessings. Once again, this goes against what society says and encourages us just to love on other people instead of trying to get love for ourselves. Armstrong suggests that if this were universally understood, it would change the world. At the very least, it can positively affect our individual level of happiness. So, happiness is not as elusive as I once thought. God offers us love, and God offers us joy. It just takes some steps to get ourselves there in our confusing and complicated culture. Listening to happy music like Pharrell Williams' um, song can sometimes help. Another phrase in that song that caught my attention is, happiness is truth. At first I thought, what? Happiness is truth. What does he mean by that? I admit that I'm not sure what he meant. I actually researched on the internet looking, uh, but I, I don't know what he meant by it. But for a Christian, happiness is truth means the truth God offers us. God is our creator. God is the beginning and the end. God loves us enough to die for us. God's grace is available to all people. God offers us new life. God offers us forgiveness. <coughs> Excuse me. God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. God has a purpose for each one of us. There is no problem on earth that is bigger than God. There is no hurt on earth that heaven can't heal god is with us let us pray eternal and loving god we are grateful grateful that you are who you are and that you made us thank you for all that is beautiful and pure (coughs) we do seek happiness and love and joy Thank you for being the author of each one. Help us, Lord, to live into your love as your children, loving you back and loving each other as you call us to do. Help us to learn the art of forgiveness and the art of gratitude. Help us value ourselves as you value us. Help us to see the world, even our little part, as you see it, so that we are not overwhelmed and discouraged. Comfort us when we need comfort, O God. Hold us close when we are hurting. Restore to us that joy you promise in your gift of salvation. It is in Christ we pray. Amen.